Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Bobby Moore and Sir Jeff Hurst The Trevor Brooklyn and Billy Bones Paolo DiCaglio West Ham United We celebrate our victories We stick together in defeat Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Welcome to More Than Just a Podcast. Podcast! <laughs> uh, we are all linked. By Sean this evening, we have uh, myself, telephone. myself John, we have Sean in sunny leafy Surrey. Sean's bitten in Surrey, yes. And we have Nigel Khan, the real Cockney, joining us this evening. Where, where is he? Because he tries to make out he's in Newham <laughs> or Canning Town. Come on, tell the truth. Where are you? We're in Essex. We're, we're, we've all moved out to the, the white flight. We've all, we've all <laughs> <sold out and laughs> no well, whereabouts in Essex? I know you were at South End yesterday. What are you trying you to track him down? Yeah. That was yesterday. That was yesterday. I'm, I'm, back, I'm back near London now. Did, you, did you have some, some jelly deals? I don't eat jelly deals, mate. They are absolutely yeah. disgusting. I, I did get in a bit of trouble saying you must come from Surrey because for some reason when I put a picture up of the pie mash, I put mash and pie. <laughs> But this is the measure right. <laughs> anyway, you are definitely from Surrey. I don't think. Mesh. I don't think if anyone knows you, Sean, they will realise that you've done that your whole life. You've got something that doesn't quite link up properly. Yeah, yeah. You get that might the front. Side of yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, we've got John in deepest darkest Surrey this evening as well. No, um, George tonight because he's uh, he's got problems with the train so he's coming back from London he was due to join us um, so we had no one else to invite so we invited Nigel to stand in and thanks very much <laughs> Nigel the last alternative thanks yeah we thought you also um, actually have gone to some again because I've got a confession I've only just come back from uh, Cornwall deep task is Cornwall and um, and I, I, I didn't really the internet's not great down there so I sort of didn't see... No, I didn't see any of the, the whole game, if I'm honest, live. I just saw the highlights. Uh, and I turned off um, after probably the second goal on, on the Arsenal game. We've got three games since we last spoke, which you were on as well, Nigel. So I want to start off with you, Nigel. Um, a little discussion on the whole game, which we lost 2-1. Just a little stat attack to begin with. Possession. West Ham enjoyed 54% of possession. Hull, therefore, obviously had 46. West Ham had 12 shots, on, uh, 12 shots, four on target. The Tigers had seven shots, three on target. Nigel, discuss. Game of two halves. We probably had the better of the first half. They bought on two subs in the second half. We didn't respond. They won the game. Short and sweet. Anything to add, John? <laughs> that is pretty much it. Yeah, we just uh, we couldn't deal with they put uh, like an attacking sort of substitutions on after the first half, and they went for it, and we couldn't deal with it. Defensively poor. 
Um, yeah, I, I can't add much to it except that I read a report that said, you know, we probably deserved um, a point maybe, you know, that we should have drawn really and, and we were a bit unlucky uh, to lose it. I disagree. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. look, the stats don't lie, guys. I know your stats are people. We had the majority of the possession. We had 12 shots, four on target. They had a pitiful seven with three on target. Game of two arse and all that, but maybe we needed a little bit more out of it. Anyway, let's move on to Arsenal. Um, you went, I think, Nigel, didn't you? And, and, and met up with an old friend of ours, Paul Stringer, uh, formerly yeah. the press officer at West Ham, and he was slumming it with the with the, uh, yeah, the, the general friend. public. He actually came over and said hello to me. I didn't actually go and say hello to him, so perhaps he does really like me. <laughs> what, what do you, have you been to the Emirates before? Who, me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, loads of times. It's. I mean, I, I think George and I went about two years ago, last time we went, we've been a couple of times or three times. Um, it's a bit soulless. It's, it's more soulless than the London Stadium, in my view, but I know you'll probably have a different view. What was your match day experience like at the Emirates? It's, it's funny enough, it, getting there was really easy. It's... I got the train at six o'clock from South Rockingham and I was at the Emirates at ten to seven. And bearing in mind, I went through Stratford. I thought, blimey, that's quite quicker sometimes when I get to Stratford and the stadium and West Ham are playing. So, yeah. good, good start, beer inside the grounds. Beer, the with the beer and the food. You know it's the same people, Delaware North. Food. I didn't eat the food. I just the food a, and the I beer are run beer. by the same people at the London it's all the same. You know, you know, it's all yeah. the same. We are a model of Arsenal. So whatever you saw at Arsenal, has well, been yeah, we've morphed been, uh, and cloned into the London Stadium. Arsenal to Kai, didn't it? So yeah. you know, you walk around outside the Emirates Stadium and you see all silhouettes of their players. You walk around our stadium and you see all silhouettes of our players. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's only a lot of them to start banging up statues outside the Emirates <laughs> Stadium. To West um, they seem to love a statue at Arsenal. Yeah, they do. Um, a yeah. lot of people, by the way, I, 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 apparently there was some kind of poll, and a lot of people still, uh, just, just to put it in context, a lot of people still won't accept the Emirates 10 years on. Um, they still don't accept the move, and, and I guess there's some parallels there, but you're never going to win everybody over, even though and it, was, it was 10 years ago they moved from Highbury. Um, <coughs> I can't remember the actual year. They still don't accept um, um, their new home. 2006. Was it 2006? Yeah, so 11 years ago. Well, I, I would guess that that is being backed up by the fact that it's also coincided with their worst run of success they've had for a long time as well. So. Yeah, well, be careful what you wish for, because I don't know if you saw, but they had some kind of protest that marched and people turned up with a protest. Um, against the board uh, of keeping on Wenger um, and, and and 10 people turned up for the march and they said, well, that's more apathy of of what goes on in modern football. Although I do say, on the game we played, they had another protest of not taking their seats to the 13th minute and certainly watching the beginning on the on the stream, um, it seemed that a lot of people were missing at, at the beginning. Was was that your view, Nigel? Well, thousands must have stayed away then because there were a lot of empty seats upstairs all, all through the game. The, the, the Emirates seems to suffer the same bugbear of us. They've sold the tickets and people ain't turning up. Uh, they yeah. probably weren't a protest. They just you know, couldn't be bothered to go. Modern football. Yeah. So just do a quick stat attack because I know you like it. Obviously, West Ham lost 3-0. West Ham had only 34% of the possession. Obviously, the Gooners had 66. West Ham had seven shots, or two of them on target. The Gooners had 21 shots, eight on target. So it was no surprise that they whacked us 3-0. What was your view? Was any positives to take on it whatsoever, Nigel, or just a complete embarrassment? Uh, I've seen worse there, under Allardyce, to be fair. Um... Not much, though. It was two teams 
that were very, very nervous for the first half. And then Arsenal, as soon as they got that one, they seemed to relax and they knew the others would follow. And it was almost as if we knew the others would follow. But as soon as they got that first, you know, the, 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 it would. It, we didn't crumble. We just didn't really seem to create anything. And did you stay to the bitter end? Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, for the first time ever, I went early. Did <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I think I'm 82 minutes, 83 minutes back when the first goal went yeah, in. Well, I think yeah, I, 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 you stayed longer than me on the, when I was watching the streams. I had the ability to, to turn off when I wanted. John, did yeah. you did you uh, watch the whole game from to the big end? I did, but I didn't. You know, I left it on. I wasn't fully engaged with it after the third goal. I stopped really taking much notice of it when. Sanchez and Ozil were doing little back flicks to each other and like basically just taking the piss. So I just thought this was just, I just couldn't watch it anymore, but I did leave it on till the end, yeah, I did. Did anyone stand out for you, John? Did, did, um, did, I don't know, Byron got a bit of a hard time and Mascarado, you know, he got a bit of a hard time for poor defending, but was there anyone who, who deserved No, no, we, I mean, we, we seemed to hold our own for a while and, with them, but like Nigel said, it's like as soon as they scored their goal, their confidence lifted, and we just couldn't cope with them all over, basically. And again, it's toothless up front and not strong enough at the back, so you know, no one really stood out for me. Okay, well, probably not a lot to say. We, we were disheartened there, and, and everybody was saying, you know, West Ham could be relegation contenders. That was the talk after the Arsenal defeat. You know, the bookies. Had as short odds as ten to one to go down. They didn't seem any way forward. We'd lost five league games on a trot. We'd, we'd been winless in, in seven games. Uh, I, I talked to Nigel about um, previous managers lost five in a row, and we, we worked at Avram Grant, Zola, and Alan Pardew, wasn't it, Nigel? That had, yeah. had lost five in a row. Obviously, all of them had lost their jobs after losing five in a row. Well, uh, you stated six, didn't you? You said you'd been told by your senior sources six was untenable. Well, that, that's that's what they said in the past. In in the past, David Sullivan has said um, no one can survive um, six losses. Um, I'm, I'm not saying my senior sources, David Sullivan. I think you're mistaken. My senior sources with David Sullivan. This one was from David Sullivan, John. Um, so and and Gladys Gold said something really similar. So um, and but, probably Brady as well. She probably said something similar. But but before the game, we've been told by senior sources, funny enough, this time senior sources had said, but that wouldn't be the case for this. That if he'd lost the game, he wouldn't get the sack. And the reason is that there was literally no one else to take over. Everybody else is slabs man. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to do something that probably was found offensive for many people. But let's be honest, Julian Dix is up there to put out the cones. And, you know, he couldn't take over as manager, or am I being unfair? How do you know that? I'm just saying, it's my personal opinion. <laughs> what does he do? I mean, it, it, well, he gave someone a, a, a signed shirt the other day, you know, in his season to get first. So he obviously does a bit of media work. <laughs> but from a football perspective, Nigel. <laughs> I don't know because we're not part of the coaching team, so I wouldn't dare. Uh, I won't say a bad word about it. Please, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Well, I, I won't um, go any further on that. But the, seriously, there was no one there to take over, so they were going to stick with him to the end of the season. Have what happened? We're going to talk about. I can't. They would never have Ray Henry. Martinez also say he would never come back. Harry Redknapp. There's a lot more to that story that we couldn't go in for liable reasons. So, um, I I spoke, I spoke, I've got a call to speak to Jason Candy and and, um, Andy Goldstein on on Friday night about midnight about it, and I'd written a blog calling for the 12th man, and, and, you know, there there was a call to arms on blogs and on social media, and I repeated that on the radio, of a call for the 12th man to get... Get behind the team, get behind the manager, get behind the Clarence Hughes flag that was going up, 
and <laughs> and make sure. So, so hold on, hold on a minute. Hold on, stop there, please. <laughs> we, we are no longer affiliated to Claret and Hugh. I know yeah. you are, but our podcast is no longer affiliated to Claret and Hugh. Yes, make that yes, clear. Thank you very much. And, and the logo has changed. So, uh, I know John's been giving me grief, but um, about the twelfth man. But I believe, and we're going to talk about this a bit later, I believe that the crowd were more vocal and did get more behind the team. Um, they were singing Super Slav, Super Slav, several times. That was before the goal went in, and when it was 1-0 before we'd won the game, which surprised me in some ways. The support Slav still still retained with the match-going supporters. It surprised me. I, I, I think that was a message to the owners. I think the same thing in Super Slab was telling the owners, you know, and your senior sources and all your other sources. Yeah. You know, no matter what, he's our man and we believe in him. Well, I, I did today, actually. He's, he's got a 39% win record, which is better than Sam Allardyce, Gianfranco Zola and Avram Grant. Um, do you know what they've got? Well, do, is, is that included in his championship season? Because obviously his win ratio there is better than anything. So. Well, I don't think it does, because I can tell you now, Sam Allardyce's win record was 37%, so two below. Um, Gianfranco Zola was 28%, and, uh, or was that Avram Grant? And I think it was 30, no, Avram Grant was 31%. So he's doing better on all of them. But we digress because we haven't got round to talking about the momentous and historic win on Saturday when we played Swansea City. We beat the Welsh. Uh, all of us were there. It was a sunny day. Um, let's start with you this time, John. Um, you turned up, I think, two minutes after kickoff. What did oh, you think oh, of the game? I <laughs> <laughs> kickoff. Um, I thought it was a very tense affair of. Two very average football teams. I thought our starting lineup confused me. I guess he was trying to get a get a tune out of IU against his old club. Was what I guessed. But um, yeah, it was not a very good game. It was a good win. It was a good goal. Um, yeah, confused by substitutions. Didn't understand how Clary gets in front of Sacco and Carroll. And you've seen they're more they're injured, injured than we know. They are. I've been told afterwards by senior sources that they were injured. And basically, they were on the bench almost um, as an insurance policy. But they were only going to get used if we went 1-0 down. So, um, <coughs> Carroll was still um, suffering from a groin strain. Uh, Sacco apparently is knackered after his half an hour and is not match fit. <coughs> and therefore, they put him on the bench. Maybe it was psychological. Um, but it was there. If we went 1-0 down, then we would have risked them. But because Actually, we that, went 1-0 up... That doesn't make much sense, really. But there I'm you go. I'm just telling you what the senior sources say. Um, yeah, it was a, not a brilliant game. It, it was a great win, much needed. I don't think we were particularly the 12th man. It's not much different. You than don't think there was a better past. atmosphere? I thought there was... No, I know you didn't enough. sing, but I thought there was more singing than... <laughs> There was more well, singing. I wasn't singing. The Ginger so Pelé song. Did you not sing Ginger Pelé song? I was waiting for you to lead it to Twelfth Man as it was our duty. As you told yeah, well, I, I, on the radio. I was singing a lot, and you just happened mm. to take a picture of me when I was on the phone sitting down. I took quite a good one... pictures of, of you sitting there on yeah, the there phone. One your, girlfriend, your girlfriend sat next to you, sat down on her phone, and yeah. I just thought, well, that's not much of a twelfth man job there. <laughs> well, I, 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 I was for probably eight to nine minutes trying to get them to sing. So you? I think you were talking to your senior sources trying to get them yeah. to sing. Drum it up, did drum you it up. sing? Did you sing England, 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 or God Save the Queen when we sang that? Who me? Yeah. I, I can't remember. I doubt if I would have done. You didn't sing at all. You look. You stood there with your son, looking pretty miserable. If I, you ask me. And I said, are you not entertained? You went, with this shit? With this shit? You said. I said, if I wanted to come to, if I wanted to be entertained, I would not come here, Sean, is what you said to me. <laughs> did you not? Yeah, I did, yeah. I did. Uh, so, you did yeah. enjoy yourself at the cow, though, before and afterwards. Yes, I did. It, it was a, a good win. 
and that's about as good as I can say. Uh, as a quick stat attack, West Ham uh, had 46% of the possession, but the Swans had 54. West Ham had 14 shots, six of them on target. The Swans had just five shots and one on target. So there you go. It was a, uh, you know, the stats bear it out that we were probably worthy winners, even we had to try grind it out. For me, the big man of the match was Ginger Pele. Um, the way good old-fashioned defender clearing it right into the sort of upper stand, probably up to where Nigel sits, um, if he could kick that high, um, really saved us probably three or four times. And the way, I don't know if you saw, that he was bringing both his arms up and geeing up the 12th man, going, come on, come on, come on, get behind us. And I've done if you've seen the video of him going afterwards. He fell to his knees. And you saw how much it meant to him at full time. He went running over, took his shirt off, jumped into the crowd and gave his shirt to some young boy. And and that showed me the passion that Ging has and what he played to the badge and the team and the club and everything. And I wish we'd see more of that. And you know, we've missed Ginge, in my view. John, do you, do you agree about my analogy of, of, of uh, James Collins? I think he had a very good game, yes, sure. I agree. <laughs> How about Sam Byron, then? Obviously, he he sort of made up for his uh, Arsenal woes, had a really good game, did some important blocks, and, of course, none important um, than blocking Sigerson right at the end, late in injury time. All the players went up to him, including Noble, and, and shook his head and celebrated like it was a goal. Um, and apparently, I, I don't know if you saw earlier, he'd been limping and we thought he was going to come off. He left the London Stadium on crutches, so um, I thought he had a terrific game, terrific form, but it looks like he's going to be injured properly for for um, <coughs> um, Sunderland, and who knows how long he's going to be out. It does seem a bit injury-prone, though. Did you, did you rate his performance, um, Nigel? He's done well. He's done well against one of the worst teams in the Premier League. So, um, well, can't, let's, can't let's be positive, in there. Nigel. Who, who, do you, who, who, who did you think had a good game? I just said he did well. Is that not positive? All right, well, who else? Who else would you single out for a bit of praise? Ki. Uh, yeah? Yeah, Noble. I thought done all right. Yeah, Noble did um, all right. There was a bit of nervousness giving the ball away. We give it to them, they gave it to us. Um, two poor teams in the Premier League. Come on, you know. Let's be honest about it. These are two poor teams in the Premier League. You know, the mad thing about it is, you know, after the game we were a point off ten, and you know there we were, a lot of people worried about relegation, thinking we were going to go in down and about to commit suicide, and then all of a sudden we're only a point off ten. So it's been yeah, a well, mad, that's it, isn't it? It's mad. You know, we're now sixty-six. Premier League by the way, Premier I think we were ten to one. We're now 66 to 1 to the drop. How, how mad yeah. is that? Well, that's what we needed. We needed, you know, one more win, if yeah. you look at it. It was important because it, even even if we'd drawn that game, that would have been a good result because it still would have kept Swansea needing two more wins than what we get. Agreed. And that showed. John, was there anyone that you thought was worthy of praise or you, you thought it was just a... Um, a pretty average performance. No, it was a high-pressure game, and and yeah, the like like you said, Kiati, Ginge, people like that, they they delivered. But I've I got agree, a question for both of I, you. Right? So I agree with Nigel. It is two poor teams in. I mean, the, we know it's not our best starting eleven, but it's so poor. You look at the money these players are on compared to teams out of other leagues that are just so much better. The Premier League is so overrated. Yeah. What did you think of AU, obviously, against his former team? Did he did he show any promise? He did a lot of running around, but beyond that? Jordan doesn't would. <laughs> Sorry, what was that noise? He looked better, didn't he? He did look better. <laughs> I think we bought the wrong brother. Oh, you Jordan AU, yeah. He was doesn't, warrant, doesn't warrant the price tag, does he? Well, he, he doesn't it. seem so at the moment. No. no. Um, big loss with uh, Michael, Mikel Antonio as well, who, you know, having his hamstring went. Um, and, of course, that brings us on to his replacement with Caleri. I mean, 
I mean, he did a lot of running around as well, and I think Noble praised him, but he should have got that goal, and he should have buried it, John. No, yeah, no, he had a good chance. He's had a few of those of us, and he, um, yeah, he doesn't seem like he cuts it really. I don't know why they persist with him, but you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I don't understand. You know, when you got the likes of Fletcher that I thought Caleri is going back off well. alone at the end of the summer. You know, I don't know. I'll tell you a story about Fletcher. So West Ham are just about to agree out of court settlement with Man United for £1 million compensation. And of course, if they played Fletcher and had him do well or made lots of appearances, he would likely have got a far higher fee um, from either a tribunal or Man United would want more. So I think there's something about, you know, it, it, the fee. Well, you think they rolled in him back? You think West Ham yeah. rolled in him back? Do you? My 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 sources tell me that. Yeah. Whoa! I've, I've seen three under twenty three games. Yeah. Or twenty two yeah. games. And I don't know. Is there? Well, yeah, I see team. what he's 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 not done it for me. And when you're playing oh, really? against eighteen to twenty year old defenders. Uh, and, and you're not cutting the mustard in a game like that, you know. Um, then for me, he did not look like he was ready to go up against better class defenders in the Premier League. So, having seen him three times, um, I think he, I would send him out on loan next season. Yeah. Okay. That's what I would well, do. worth a million quid. Yes. Yeah, I do think it's worth a million. Yeah, I do think he's worth a million, to be fair to him. You know, he's a young player, and then hopefully he could be, you know, a blooming or something a bit better. He's shown good touches. It's just, I don't know. Man United generally don't let bad players walk away, though, do they? Well, uh, to be fair yeah, true. Um, but we'll see. You know, we remember Raval Merrison and we spent a million quid on it. Well, they were right with, with them, weren't they? They were, they, they were. And, and that's my point. Uh, anything else to say on the historic Swansea win? <laughs> put us on 36 points and one point away from 10th place. Uh, it was historic. It was sunshine. That was nice. Yes, the sun did shine. Although we're in the shade over in the uh, the West End, of course. Didn't see so many stop go signs when we walked back, did you? Mm-hmm. Well, we went a, a different way, didn't we? We walked to the think, town. We took a bit oh, of a strange route. I think yeah. we waited back a bit as well, didn't we? We waited the fifteen twenty minutes for the barrier. Eighteen going, minutes, we? wasn't it? Eighteen minutes for the. No, it was eighteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we sh- we should ask. Uh, sure, sure. Let's hear what the gaffer had to say. Well, Slavon, I thought you thoroughly deserved the win today, but you couldn't relax until the final whistle, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I congratulate the players, the fans, everybody, to be fair. That was uh, today at the stadium. Uh, we deserve to win today. That's my opinion. Uh, we could have maybe killed the game before or make it easier for us. We had enough chances, uh, but we didn't. But, uh, I mean, it's ideal, ideal to win 1-0 against the opponent that is below us, five points now it's eight, and then to keep a clean sheet and to do it with the proper togetherness and proper energetic performance from the home team, whole team, very matured, all the time together. That makes me really, really pleased. It was a nervy first half, wasn't it? But a real moment of quality just at the end of the half. That's what you need. I think we created a couple of chances before that we expected us to score. Uh, then we did it. Then we, then they had a good spell by slowing our rhythm and they were with throwings around our box, a couple of corners and free kicks. And then, and then we needed that kind of magic or touch of class and quality. Uh, and Sheku scored a brilliant goal and it was a good time of course to go at the half time with a little bit like like with, with with a good result and with a good plan for a second half uh, it was crucial but then in the second half we didn't drop okay there's a bit of nervosity you are losing that 
they are throwing the paddies up, strikers, wingers, and all that. Uh, and then, but then we were, we knew that we're gonna, that they're gonna have their moments around their box. But we knew that we have to defend with numbers and good. But then we knew that we have to use that space behind that they were leaving open, and we were using that really good. Apart from the final ball, from the shot, or from the final touch. So we could score the second one, make it easier for us, but we didn't. But still, it's very, it's very good uh, day for us. It's a good day for us. You made three changes. You didn't bring on Andy Carroll and you didn't bring on the Afrosaka. Are there still some fitness issues with those two? Yeah, with Diaf is definitely. I mean, he was out for three and a half months, uh, and his recovery and everything is going on really good for him to be part of two games in three days. It's it's basically a lot, although it's, it wasn't a whole game, but but we have to be very careful with him after three and a half months of absence, and he means a lot to us, and we don't want to lose him again. With Eddie, it was, a, it was a gamble, to be fair, nothing serious with his groins, but serious enough for him to basically, he, he shouldn't be in a squad today, but I asked him, Andy, can you at least be there in, I don't know, 10, 10, maximum 10, 15 minutes? Mm. Because it didn't get worse uh, after Arsenal game. So 10, 15 minutes if we need you. And of course, he's, he's always going to say yes. And he said yes, so we kept him there in case if it was 1-1, one, one, if it was nil-nil, he would have come on. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. or most definitely. But, but uh, we didn't have to put him on. It is a really also because all three players who came from the bench they done really good for yeah. us. They they stabilized us or even improved our performance. What do you think about that, then, John? I reckon it's the, mm. just just the same old stuff, Sean. I think he's starting to just repeat himself. You say that every week. Do I? No, I'm saying the same old stuff because I never listened to it. Yeah. So next on our running order, I've touched on this earlier. But the 12th man, lots of people, Noble and Slav said, best atmosphere this season. From a player's perspective, from a manager's perspective, Slav looked over when they were singing Super Slav and raised his hand up in acknowledgement, which he usually doesn't do. They said it was the best atmosphere all season. I'm going to start with you, Nigel, in the upper gods. What was the atmosphere like from where you were? Oh, I don't... It's almost as if the media department are feeding them the lines and they're just spitting them out. But it, it, it was good. You know, yes, we got behind the team uh, the way we always have done. Uh, I wouldn't say it was the... You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection... Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Best atmosphere of the season, um, by far. I mean, you, you look at the Chelsea game, I suppose, yeah. in the Cup. We've not had that And, much and the Palace game. I would put it the Palace game. by the Chelsea game and the Palace game. 
Yeah, you know, uh, to be fair, the funny enough, I've, the, probably the best I remember it for a league game would be the opening 25, 30 minutes of the Watford game. Oh, really? Well, okay. uh, we went 2-0 up and, and we were buzzing, you know. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then you all collapse and it seems <laughs> like that sums up our season. And there was some fighting and some walking. Yeah, and you know, we um, lost 4-2 and, and everything yeah. just seemed to go downhill. But the atmosphere, I thought, you know, you, when you've got, the, what do you reckon there's about 45,000 there on um, Saturday? You know, you're going to get a noise out of 45,000 people. The, the yeah. one good thing about the stadium is the roof does hold it in. So yeah. it, it is going to make a noise, but it ain't... Well, Slav speaks of 60,000, because every quote they keep on saying yeah, 60,000 people. Shut up. I'm just yeah. saying what Slav says. We know it's 57. Well, we, we, we know they only get 57,000 anyway. Well, it's not really 57, because they're still... I mean, even... I thought the... the Stadium was fuller, but actually, uh, George and John pointed out that the sun was just actually optical illusion. And when the shade came down, you could see all the empty seats. Again, yeah. there was probably, you know, a good three or four thousand people missing from the game. Oh, no, no. being generous. There was there was forty five to forty seven thousand now. No, loads of empty. No, there's not. For, for that to be yeah, true, yeah. there would have to be 10,000 people missing. I'd expect 50,000 and 7,000 missing. Right, so real you've done this. You've actually yeah. done this. You've actually had figures for previous yeah. games, and it was the same right amount. It was in the 45, No, no, no. Um, for, no, for, for, um, for uh, um, like Arsenal, it was like 52. You're going to get Arsenal because it's a London derby. Look at the Middlesbrough game. You, you've got the figures for the Middlesbrough game. 47. Right, right, there you go. There you go. And that one, but the fact was five defeats. Well, no, but but that was at the time. I don't think ticket trading was working, and and the Middlesbrough game. So those early games, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. I think there are lots of people. You are. But you know my point. <laughs> people should actually sell their tickets on Ticket Trader. I sold my two <coughs> child tickets on the Saturday for two pound eighty five each. <coughs> I didn't do that. I could have got you more than that. Well, it was 30 <laughs> seconds of my life to put them up. And do you know what? They went in minutes because they're in, in block 113, right in the front. People like it. They go in minutes. It's not about the money. I only paid 99 quid for those tickets. When my children aren't using them, I want other fans to use them. And I think it's our moral duty to put our seats on ticket trader when we're not using them. Well, you, you, sorry, sorry. you do, yeah, you, you do what you think best, Sean. We, I, I don't know, uh, Nigel disagrees on this. Anyway, um, so, John, what did you think of the atmosphere? I, I know the answer to this because you, you thought it was pretty dire. Well, I didn't say it was dire. I said it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't any different than what I've experienced there before. I agree, I mean, in my, in my memory of it, the Palace game was the best atmosphere I've enjoyed there. When after the Carroll goal and all that, it was really rocking. Yeah. And, you know, that's the best it's been there. But it's just very few and far between, isn't it, them atmospheres? It does, okay. does relate to what you see on the pitch, obviously. And the away fans. They were well, quite... I'm talking to two people who never wanted to go to uh, the, the London Stadium. <laughs> and and you know most miserable pessimistic buggers, to be honest, that you can find in in the West Ham community. Well, yeah, okay. So if that's the case, then what is the best atmosphere, Sean? Is it is that the best atmosphere it's been? No, so, Chelsea. Let me ask you, Chelsea. Let me, Chelsea let me ask you a question, Sean. Go on. Let me ask you a question. That was yeah. a, a must-win game on Saturday. It yeah? was. Yeah. We were coming on the back of five defeats. Would you have been more confident of us winning that game? In the bowling, or would you have thought uh, the Oh, without just a doubt, got as much in the bowling. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would have, you know, I would have. Absolutely. But you know what? We've, we've moved, John. We've moved on. No, no, we've changed. And that first season, you know, it's been difficult. And I know you're giving me a bit of grief for what I said on Talk Sport about, you know, everybody's an everyone's expert. A, everyone's an Everybody expert is a football manager and the tactics, yeah. and everybody's a recruitment expert. And everyone's a stadium architect and know what's best for the thing. But we overanalyze and over-criticize everything to do with West Ham. Unless, you know, John Lyle didn't have this, did he? Ron Greenwood didn't have this. You know, people tweeting and, and trolls poisonous going this, this and this. 
He didn't like yourself it. Don't down, go. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how you, that's how you lot make a living, Sean. I know yeah. it is. I know. I can't. <laughs> don't up. bite the hand of feet, John. <laughs> but, but it's just... The, 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 the bottom line is that people like me don't agree with the person that's out there saying that this is the best thing we could have done. The board are our saviors. That's one thing that really gets my goat. And we're doing, they're going to take us to the next level or yeah. whatever that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't agree well, I, with I, it. I, I, so. Talking about social media, I got in a bit of trouble on, on Saturday for, for, for spreading fake news. So a steward in our block, uh, <clears throat> and I think you were there, told us 100 stewards didn't turn up and because uh, it was a sunny day and they'd been fined between 30 and 60 pounds and I tweeted this out and it was it was retweeted over 300 times so I, I spoke to a director at London Stadium 185 and also bumped into the chief operating officer and said well you know what's what's going on they said we'll look into it so later on after the game they said well I don't know what your steward was on but you know um we twenty stewards didn't turn up for one company, and but twenty more turned up from another company, and we met our quota. Well, I misread that and said I, I put a retraction out and said so forty didn't turn up, and they wrote to me again and said you didn't read it properly. So um, I will like to officially make a confirmation now and a correction. There was a full quota of stewards at the London Stadium on Saturday. I was wrong to tweet out the fake news, and I will be more careful. In fake the news. news? How can you actually class that as news? Who's interested? <laughs> <laughs> but what, was it just lucky then that the extra 20 turned up? Was that like it was, more, it was a bit fortunate, wasn't it? It oh, was a bit fortunate. amazing. <laughs> 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 oh, if only I was so cynical. Um, <laughs> what, one thing before I'm, I move on uh, about Robbie Savage. Um, is uh, I've got a piece going up tonight that might cause a bit of problems, but Newham Council today refused me for the third time to tell me, Nigel, who gets these free tickets, who they've gone out to, how many they've given out, and I particularly asked the question in Freedom of Information about Sir Robin Wales, who we both saw on the Chelsea game in the Royal East Lounge. Yeah. I asked how many councillors had, had used the hospitality this season and senior management like the CEO and how many free tickets have been given out to employees. They rejected my request today, Nigel, and said that it was too premature to release that information. Well, I sense a little cover-up there. What do you think? Wait, wait, wait. Well, you know what I thought because it thought I had a little rant when I walked in to see the mayor of Newham and the chief executive of Newham, uh, obnobbing it with an actor um, yep. who was their guest. You know, it, for me... Well, they don't... <sighs> they didn't, they, Robin Wales didn't put it on his hospitality. <coughs> Funny enough, he did put hospitality. He was invited by Karen Brady and Angus Kinnear, who is the MD of West Ham, to a did private member's club. Yeah, where they went to a private member's club in West London called the Art Club uh, for lunch and all he put down is well it was more than £25 so being wined and dined by by the West Ham board but when he goes out and, and if they were, let's be honest I'm not we won't be liveless but they were having a good time weren't they Nigel? they were they, they, they were, were availing themselves of the uh, of the fair of the full hospitality yes that is well, not been declared can... whatsoever. And I think, you know, I know Sir Robin Wells is a West Ham fan, but as and a public Scotland. official... Oh, so, oh, sorry. Yeah. As a public official who is the mayor of Newham and a part owner of the stadium, I think he should tell his elected um, voters exactly what he gets, including so, any hospitality he gets at the stadium. So there's, there's, what, five, six games left of the season? Yeah. I think by the end of the season, that's no longer premature to get that information from them. So I think well, you should persist. I am, I am, uh, I am appeal. I've appealed it once already. It got rejected. I'm taking it to the Information Commissioner's Office yeah, to appeal when it. You, when you look at how they pushed us into that stadium as well, we were in council with some of the stuff that they come out with. 
you know, that's what got my goat. When I walked in there to see him with his bottle of beer and Inspector Lewis off the TV, knobbing yeah. it. You know, with with directors of West Ham United as well who were sitting at the table. It, it, it you know, it, they were at a yeah. different table. I want to just put on record. Well, West Ham directors were. No, no, one of them did sit down with them. Yeah, only say hello, but they they weren't guests of West Ham. West well, Ham was a different. All right, well, whatever. You know, they were having a jolly good time in the world. Well, the, the, uh, I'll tell you another thing. Another one got rejected today. A London, uh, a London Legacy Development Corporation, who are the other owners of the stadium, they've they with the London Mayor have employed a, a company, an auditing company called Moore Stevens, to do this infamous investigation. What went wrong and everything else. I asked um, where they've been used before, how much money they've been paid in the past, how much they've been involved in the London Stadium. Um, um, construction and project management, what audits and links to any audits. And do you know what London, what they said? None of your business. Well, well they did, yeah. They, they <laughs> said they need another 20 days because there's a public interest test that they don't know whether they want to release this information. That's shocking. That's shocking. They're carrying out an independent investigation into stadium and they've employed a company that was involved in the construction and helped audit and give a green light to the whole thing. It's, it's nepotism. Well, it's not independent, is it? Was this, on the, was this on your running order, Sean? It's not. You're right. You're right. It's not a London <laughs> Stadium podcast. Let's get back. Robbie Savage. Questions. <laughs> oh, no. Started. Yeah, started with Robbie Savage. And ended Robbie there, Savage right? questioned about the recruitment policy. You know he obviously uh, knew both Sullivan Gold from his, his Birmingham days. He asked, who is in charge of the recruitment policy who makes the decisions? I'm going to start with you, Nigel. What, what's your view? Who, who's making the decisions on the recruitment? Because it seems to be many fans believe Slav's not involved and they're picked by the board. Um, I, I reckon it is probably a three of them, four of them sit down. So like, who's the fourth? Who's the fourth? Well, I'd go probably Sullivan. Is it Tony Henry? His yeah. uh, mate who does his spying or scouting, uh, maybe Terry Wesley, chief of scouting or, or, or coaching, and Slav with his team probably sit down. They'll go through. I think Sullivan has his picks rightly or wrongly. You know, um, I mean, me, it's a team game and the team takes the blame if it goes yeah, wrong. Every Premier League signing we make technically is a gamble. Some world-class players have come to the Premier League and fouled, like Verun, you know, one yeah. off the top of my head, Shevchenko. So <clears throat> there's no sure and easy way. You know, A, you could have come to us and, you know, fresh in the mind, you think was the actually in the Swansea game at the Bowling in May that he scored. So you think 20 million was a lot. It was done... Because the TV money's made it mad, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day. So the fees, the, the stick you can beat the board with is the fact that they came out and said, world-class players will be attracted by the stadium. We will be signing, you know, 20 goals thing. Next spend, million. £25 million. Pound. Don't, don't even get you... Keep your mouth shut. I, I said this on the radio. Team. Keep your mouth shut. Don't talk for. about... A 20 goal striker. Don't talk about 30 million quid. Don't talk about the next level. Don't talk Don't about talk. Don't yeah. talk. All of them. Anyway, let's All get back to recruitment policy. John, who do you think? You, you've, all, you've often poo-pooed my uh, suggestion of how it works, which I'll say in a minute from, from my sources. But how do you think it works? I think, you, you, don't, I think, you don't think Sullivan, you don't think Slav should take the blame for the signings in your view. No, I, I think I think that Sullivan, with his preferred agent, are out in the market, and I think they bring to the table a list of players that are available. And I think that Slav and him and the, um, Sullivan and the agent and, like you say, Wesley or whoever it is Henry, they all sit together and they make they sort of decide from a list that's brought to the table. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Billich says, well, I would like so-and-so who I've heard is available. 
but I would say the majority is done that way. And you say about, you know, 20 minutes for IU and that, but you look at Zaza, he's scored, he's scored half a dozen goals, he's just gone for 13 and a half. He just, yeah, he's just gone to Valencia. So, you know, it's, it's, but, there's things out there, and I, I, don't, <clears throat> I don't need, I don't feel the need for the 30, 40 million pound player. I just, I would just like a bit, something that looks like a proper plan, a bit more professionalism about it, and just for them to like, you know, produce players that we need in the right positions. Instead of a scattergun 12, 14 players in, let's get four or five decent players for the right positions that we need to fill. Yeah, and I agree with you. My understanding of the recruitment policy is, and I think you're very close. Terry Wesley doesn't get involved, is my understanding. Three people are in a room. Uh, Tony Henry, head of scouting, right, who obviously um, has got a lot of contacts. He comes with his list. Um, a number of agents approach uh, Sullivan, and he comes with a list on who's available. Yeah, And Slav comes with his own list. And they go through the list one by one either crossing out names or underlying them for future, you know, more negotiation. But my understanding is both Slav and Sullivan have a right of veto for either one. So if there's one that, that Sullivan goes, no, I'm absolutely not having him, he can veto him. But more importantly, um, Slav has complete right of veto of any player that Sullivan or Tony Henry puts forward. Well, I, I would accept that if I knew that your sources were one of them, Slavon Bilic, because <laughs> your your sources are so I one know, I know someone very close to Slavon Bilic who, who, who has confirmed, although we got it from another source, who's confirmed that that's basically it. That, that they, is that why right, Sullivan can do that? Yeah, you tell me. What, that he can other... veto yeah, when he's paying the money? Bear in mind that it's Billich that gets sacked. Sullivan will sack Billich at the end of the day at some point. Whenever a football manager is appointed, they know they're going to get sacked at some point. So, you know, what other club owner has does that? But he's, do you know what? They even call it in now in press releases. Right, they could, this could never happen in Allardyce's days. But no. David Sullivan sees himself as director of football, and that that term has even crept into official press releases. Yeah, well, they they undermine him. They undermine him on every every corner, every part well, of the whole thing. Well, do you know what, what he achieved in twenty odd years of football? In all honesty, come on, mm. if that's the case, show, show me the players at Birmingham City that were top notch. What they've done. Show me the players at West Ham that Sullivan's done. It ain't right. It ain't. You can see you can see the players that he has brought in that are absolutely shocking. You can see the gambles. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on to the the last question we're going to ask, which is, you know, when I spoke to you last week before the game or after we lost five on the trot, John, you seem to have enough of of slab. I've been criticised uh, by. Did I say that? Ian Dale called me out on the last podcast as saying, well, you said, you know, Slav should go. And do you know what? I have, I have still grave concerns about Slav, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I'm going to ask you, I'm going to start with you, John. Should Slav stay on next season is my first question. My second part of the question is, should he be offered a new extension to his contract? So if you can answer those two questions and, and give any background to I think you'll find that my comment last time was to stick with him and stop undermining him. And back him. I understand that, but we're not talking this season. We're talking next season. He goes for his hip replacement. Next season, if let me put the moral dilemma. Let's throw it in as a third part of the question. Rafa Benitez is available and he wants to come to West Ham in the summer, despite getting Newcastle up. Do you stick? Do you swap? What do you do? I, I think that... Teams notoriously suffer when they have a move. I think we've suffered with that. I think he's had a terrible injury list and the transfers have been shocking. So I think everything's gone against him and he's got us to survive this season. I I question some of the tactics. I question some of the things that he does. But given what we've had in the past, I would stick with him. Let's go on to the the original two questions. You want him to manage us next season? Yes? Yes. 
you want them to give him an extension in the summer for another two years. Yeah. Yep. So for him, for you, long term, he's our man. Let's sit with him thinking. Well, we say thinking. long term. Who's ever long term? Well, I would, right. we, we should I would offer him, him another two-year contract yeah, on, on top give, of his year, so another three years. In I would give him at least another season because he, yeah. he gave us our best season we've had forever, well, for like for in modern history last season. Yeah, yeah. We we've had a shocker this season for a number of reasons. Let's give him another go. Okay. Why keep changing it? Okay, Nigel, lover of Sam Allardyce. Um, <laughs> same two questions to you, or three questions. Um, should Slav stay on next season? Should he be offered another two-year extension to make it three-year, or should we swap if someone like Rafa Benitez or Mancini was available? Um. Yes, to next year, definitely, um, 100%. Uh, I would give him definitely a new contract, and not two or three or five-year contract. Um, get a bit of stability in, uh, and I wouldn't touch Mancini or Benitez with a barge pole, personally. Um, Eddie Howe. I, How about Eddie Howe? If he was available, Eddie Howe. <laughs> I, I like Eddie Howe, yes, but I'd, I wouldn't want... While Slavin's there and, and doing as good a job as he's doing, even this season, you know, I'll caveat that as well. The fact is that if we'd have gone down this season, if you was a championship team next season and Slavin Village w- was uh, available to manage that championship team, would they jump at the chance? Well, yes, they would. So I can't see why when you've got a manager like that that gets you relegated, that you would then naturally sack him, bearing in mind that when they were at Birmingham, Steve Bruce got relegated and they gave Bruce a chance to bring him back up. So, why do we have to keep going through this two-year, three-year cycle of managers? You get nothing. In, in, in the situation we're in, you get nothing for chopping and changing your manager. If you want to build the club, especially the turmoil that we're going through with the move, because believe it or not, it has really affected the fans. There's a, there's a big split, and, and Billich is still a link to Old West Ham. Yeah. And, 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 he, and he does, and that's why I think he carries a lot of support, the emotion. He bought into the club as a player. Yes, he did dirty in a way and going to Evan, but yeah, he, he did yeah. stay till the end of the season, though, didn't he? He didn't yeah. walk out in yeah. March. When he was he injured anyway, but that's another story. Well, you say, you know, at the end of the day, he played on, though. Yeah, yeah. He's still there. Yeah. So, so, so therefore, he played with an injury because he wanted to do right. You can see by the emotion some of the interviews he gave last season. He, he knows his club. He, he gets us as well, I think, as fans. So why we'd want to bring in, you know, mercenary managers that we know would only come for the wages? Why would Benitez or Mancini come here? Seriously. Well... I don't know, and I'm not saying Mancini is the right man, but I, 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 the jury's still out for me, and I'm a bit undecided. I know it's awful to sit on the fence, and I'm not just saying get rid of Slab, but I, I do remember. I've got a long memory, and not just remember the last game. You know, he's a really nice guy, Slab, and he is very passionate, and the fans love him and everything. But I can't forget, you know, his some of his transfer signings that was his, and I, I question his transfer now, and saying, you know. Can he pick a good player? Didn't you know? he insist on Pyatt when he came over? Wasn't that him? You well, know, certainly Pyatt wasn't initiated for him. He didn't say no to him, but I don't think he, he, he well, initiated he's, he's Pyatt. Got, he's been in public saying that he, he wanted him. He, well, I'm what sure he really he wanted him. Yeah. He, he, he's a very stubborn man. You know, once you've wronged him, you know, Abaloa, they had a falling out. He never played again. He fell out. But ain't that what you want in a manager? And, and he fell out with Saka. You like Saka? Well, well, all right. The stubborn bit I really, really have a problem with is, is consistently playing uh, Macau Antonio as a right back, and everyone was shouting to him, "Don't play him as a right back. Playing people out of position. Some of his bizarre um, tactics. Some of his bizarre substitutions." Do you ever watch City, Sean? Yeah, Kane. Do you ever watch Man City? You know what I mean? Yeah, he plays. He, he plays them out all, all over the place. Half his players in wrong positions. Managers will do that. It takes a good manager to see it's wrong and then do something about it. Which but has, seems has he done. got the experience? This is his second season. And I just worry, and we well, saw this, this, this with Ranieri. Be a big, 
this is going to be a big experience for him this season, isn't it? Right. And well, don't talk about Ranieri. I heard on the radio the other morning that we've been talking to Ranieri. Yeah. I mean, if, not... if I get Ranieri in, that's that just hilarious. Yeah. Well, Ranieri, I, I believe, is on a list of possibles. Uh, but How can but I have a list of possibles? We've got well, we always have to be prepared. Things. You have to be prepared oh. if he walks, you know? You always have to be prepared. Anyway, let me finish my point. My point is, I'm still undecided. Do I think he will go in the summer? Probably not, because I don't know who's available, right? But I think if he doesn't get a good start to the season, I think he'll be gone at Christmas. If he doesn't get a flying start, I think they will give him half a season, right? And if he hasn't got a flying start to next season, and we're in a, you know, we're, we're down towards the bottom in a relegation scrap, I think they will say enough's enough and they will have another manager lined up. But then again, if they think they can get a a better manager, and their words, not mine, they want a manager to take them to the next level. I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, top six, maybe. I don't know. What is it? Top six. A manager... The whole thing is wrong. All right, let me ask you the question. Can Slavin Bilic get us into the top six, you guys? John? Not at the moment. Can no. any manager get us? No, to, to, I, 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 Jose Mourinho no. get us into the top six. Without no. it, you look at you look at the money that, that teams like Tottenham have got who are there. You look at Everton now; it's backed by a multi-millionaire because they're spending money. They're backing players. Our board don't do it. Our board are doing it on the cheap. They're trying to do it everything on the cheap. It's all relative, so they will yeah. get us to a position that they deserve, which will suit them until they cash in one day. Anyway, we're, we're probably going to have to agree to disagree, guys, because I'm never going to win with you two guys on this subject, because we, we would just say one thing versus the other all day long. Whenever because you're in fairyland, though, aren't you? When you no, turn around and go, it's called Thames Ditton, not fairyland. Well, it, it, when you say, oh, well, we can be top six, we ain't ever going to be, we ain't ever... How much money are we going to need to do that? And that's what I always question. Well, I, I wonder, right? Where's the money coming from? I think we've got a bigger turnover than Everton. I think we can outperform Everton if we've got the right players. So Everton are backed by... Well, so we'll be seventh then. Right, so, Everton, so then you say, hang on. Everton's then, got a new owner who's a multi-millionaire who's financially... He's come out and said he's going to financially back the club. I think um, Spurs will have a problem funding themselves as they try, it will cripple them financially to fund their new stadium. And they will, like Arsenal, have some wilderness years. I know they're second at the moment. They've done really well. But I think they will have some wilderness years in the next three to four years as they try and it cripples them to fund this stadium. I disagree. And we've got an opportunity. Well, you, that's what it's all about, opinions. Anyway, we're running out of time now, guys. Um, we're playing Sunderland away, who, who look definite for the drop. So I'm looking for your prediction on Sunderland away, and also your final league position and points total for this season. So start with you, John. Uh, Sunderland away, they probably haven't won for a while, have they? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Won, I would have won. They're, they're odds on favour, like one to eighty for the drop or something. <laughs> West Ham rolling in, it's always a good chance. I reckon it'll be a draw. <laughs> one all. Yeah, we're on thirty-six points. Where, where do you think we're in? What you know, we've got we've got Sunderland, we've got Hull, we've got um, Everton, no, we've, we've got, got Stoke, Spurs, we've got Everton, Stoke, Spurs, Stoke Liverpool, Burnley. Burnley. I reckon we end up on forty points. Okay, what position? I don't know where that'll put us. No idea, but okay. we'll be safe on our forty points. We've got that'll be another four points from where we are now. Okay, all right, Nigel. Uh, I think we'll beat Sunderland. I think everybody is. Uh, I think we'll get 41 points. But we'll get another couple of draws after that. And then I reckon that will stick us about between... It's a bit of a funny old season, isn't it? So it's 14th and 15th around there. I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go 43. I think we beat Sunderland. Yeah. Right? 2 0 this weekend. 
Um, I think they beat Burnley. Burnley have won, all, all, Burnley won 12 games at home. Yeah, I'm they won Burnley. I'm just telling you. I think we draw against Stoke. And we get beat against uh, Spurs. Everton, Spurs. Uh, probably get beat against Everton. Probably get beat against Liverpool. Lose all uh, their own games then. Huh? Yeah. Lose, lose all their own games. Fortress London Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Khan, thanks for being our stand on on more than just the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, and thank you, John, for, for bearing with us tonight. <laughs> um, it's good night from me, Sean. It's good night. John has been. Yeah, I've been here. Thank you very much. Nigel has been. Cynical. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you irons! Come on, you irons! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.